I was a young minister, freshly graduated and ordained. My first ministry in the 1960s, after seven years in the slums of Newmarket, was in a small country church in the small country town of Ararat, gateway to the Wimra in Western Victoria. There I learned the difficult art faced by all city-bred ministers of becoming a country parson. When one ministered in a small country town, I found that it was expected that I should visit other small communities around, especially those small farming communities that may not have a church of their own. Such was the little railway siding near Caniva called Myram, or to give its correct name, Myram Pyram. Myram was just a railway station on the main interstate railway line, 266 miles from Melbourne and 208 miles from Adelaide. It was in the centre of some of the most inhospitable country in the little desert area of Western Victoria. From the 1840s, this area was part of a huge station and gradually the government allowed large blocks, usually a square mile, to be selected at one pound per acre. The interest rate was 10% and the repayments were over 20 years. Many a heartbreak was endured by farmers who were forced off the land, unable to pay the banks for their original loan. The AMP Society foreclosed on many farms, adding to their net asset strength. Trace elements later were to make the farms in this area very valuable. But grit and determination allowed some of the farmers to slowly build up their cattle and sheep properties. In the whole district, there was never more than about 20 families over the past 100 years. The history of a hundred years of Myram could be told with one or two highlights. The first was the building of the railway. They built the small red gum railway shed at the side of the line and it became the focal point for gangers who worked up and down the long flat line between Melbourne and Adelaide. Everybody who ever lived in or around Myram has been dutifully recorded in the Nil Free Press and the Caniva Times, two local papers from nearby larger towns. Myram Pyram had a small school established in 1882 and there were rarely more than a dozen or so children at the school. They were served over the past hundred years by a faithful band of young teachers who gave their lives to the service of one teacher schools. The second main occurrence at Myram was the building of the grain silo in 1938. It became a major centre where thousands of bags of wheat were brought in by lorry and horse-drawn truck from the wheat farms nearby. Shortly after it was opened, 16,000 bushels were received in one day. My memories are of huge stacks of bags of wheat, neatly squared off, holding thousands of individual bags of wheat in several long square stacks and of the three high concrete silos into which the grain was augured. But the story of Myram with its half dozen buildings centres round the pioneer store established just a hundred years ago. The store has been conducted throughout all this time by basically one family, who passed on the responsibility of running the general store from father to son. In 1888, Mr George Coles built a store beside the railway siding to provide general goods for people in the surrounding area. Mr George Coles was to go on to bigger and better things, and his name, G.J. Coles and Company, were to become famous in Australian history and is today the largest retailing company in the nation, Coles Meyer. The lesson is that from Myram Pyram, one could go anywhere. 
the little wooden stall at Myram helped George Coles get started. It wasn't just a stall, it grew into a general store and also became the post office and the telephone exchange. In 1903, Mr Philip Wheaton purchased the property and it had been run by the Wheatons ever since. For some times it was known as Wheaton and Son. And then during the First World War, when Mr W.A. Brown assisted Mr Wheaton in expanding the business, it was called Wheaton and Brown. I was to know both Mr Wheaton and Mr Brown in their older age. From just after the First World War, Mr Brown came to Melbourne and the store has been conducted ever since by a series of Wheatons. Mr Brown and his daughter, incidentally, attended my church at Cheltenham, Victoria. The general store had posted across the wide wooden veranda, Wheaton and Brown, General Merchants, established 1903, the pioneer store, Myram. That reputation is to be kept all of a century because no other store has ever been built in Myram since. Right across the veranda, it proclaims, you may purchase anything from a needle to a haystack. At one time, they employed nine staff, five of whom were married men apart from the proprietors, and in wheat season, additional helpers were employed. The proprietors of the store were responsible for bringing electric light to the community, where one street lamp and the light in the hall next door would illuminate many a festivity, running from a noisy generator at the back of the store. And when the Wheatons turned the generator off at night, Myram literally blacked out. They were also responsible for bringing a never-failing water supply, as they call it, from their wide roofs, and in the dry area that water supply was a welcome source for many a dry farmer. On the front of the store, in faded gold letters, was printed up their creed. It was headed, Good News. Entering upon prosperity is easy if you only have the key. Here it is. Don't waste your money. Appreciate its full value by trading locally, where value plus quality, satisfaction and service count. Every requirement for the home and farm is embraced in our comprehensive and up-to-date stock. Groceries, footwear, new seasons, drapery, millinery, menswear, glasses, hardware, timber, iron, twine, motor and harvester oils, wireless receivers, cream cetera, separators, etc, etc. Everyone expects a little more for their money, and in these times, they aren't disappointed at Wheaton's General Store, Myram, phone 22. Out the back of the General Store was a poultry farm, which they boasted was, and I quote, built on modern principles, which is known in many places widely separated in this state. Milk and cream and butter were supplied from the splendid pure Frisian herd. Even the town's meat supply was handled at the shop. When I came to know Mr Harold Wheaton and his wife Joyce, he had been living in the premises and running the shop for 50 or more years. In 1960, his daughter Joyce became a partner and then Les and Judy gradually took over the business. One of the great highlights in the history of the Myram General Store was the opening of a telephone office in one corner of the store. Back in 1911, Mr Wheaton Sr. had imported some telephone instruments and 11 tonnes of soft wire from Germany and began erecting telephone lines. He connected up a telephone from the store to his father's home at Broughton, 20 miles away. By 1912, the telephone directory indicated that there were only six people on the telephone system. It was a party line and if you answered the telephone, you answered it according to the number of rings it gave. If there were six rings, 
Mr Allen would pick up the phone. Five rings and Mr Baker would answer. Seven rings and Mr Wheaton Senior would pick up the phone. Four rings and Mr A Williams would answer and so on. It was a very simple private system and was in no way connected with a PMG or telecom. Later on, when the state PMG service arrived at Myram, it just connected its system into the system already established. However, there were never many lines, and to this day, there may be only 12 or so parties still in the area connected. The original iron posts, to defeat the termites, still stand with their one insulator on the top with a long length of wire connecting from insulator to insulator. The Myram Exchange still operates from the corner of the general store to this day. A full list of all those who have ever operated the exchange is printed up on the wall, and only occasionally a new name is added. Mostly, they belong to the founding families of that area. Now, the general store also became the official Myram Post Office and the Commonwealth Savings Bank offering money orders, open 10am every weekday. The mail used to be brought in from Dimboola and Bordertown every few days, but the Wheatons wanted to make sure there was a better service to their little rural community, and so Mr Wheaton became postmaster for the Myram area, serving from 1911 through to 1951, when his son Harold took over and continues to this day. Harold told me a day or two ago, however, that only eight people are now served by the post office today. Well, with a railway, a small wooden schoolhouse, the Myram Town Hall, which was built entirely by voluntary labour and the only public building in the area, in which, incidentally, Mr and Mrs Wheaton have run a Sunday school for more than 50 years, a post office in one corner of the general store, a telephone exchange in the other corner of the store, everything that a country town could wish for is in Myram. Good tanks of water, three cement silos and a good community spirit. Over the years, Myram boasted many patriotic organisations. During the wars, they held fundraising programs to raise money for the war effort, and the Myram War Workers Auxiliary conducted Wednesday functions to raise funds to help Australians in the war effort. Even the school put on a patriotic play in 1942 entitled Britain and Her Allies. Children came from schools far and wide to watch the performance. Children arrived from Caniva and Lillymoor and Myram South, Lillymoor South and Caniva South. A crowded house packed the Myram Town Hall and raised £40 four shillings for the war effort. I hold in my hands a programme of that day. I read to you the cast. Britannia was played by Leslie Swock, which is a strange choice in having the daughter of the only German family in the whole area playing the role of Britannia. Scotland was played by Lorna Ridout, Ireland by Dawn Wigney, India by Maxine Hicks, Malaya by Margaret Swark, Wales by Lorna Swark, New Zealand by Nola Ridout, Africa by Joy Wheaton, Canada by Albert Wheaton. The nurse was played by Velda Ridout. Australia was played by Joan Wheaton. Then comes a list of noble people who took the part of the Australian Army, Navy and Air Force. The Allies in the Low Countries were not forgotten and Holland was represented by Velda Hicks who sang in an old Dutch garden. A tap dance followed and I presume the girls were to represent America as that seemed to be the only member of the Allies omitted from the programme. But then again, in the early days of 1942, the war certainly centred around Great Britain and not the Pacific.
But the greatest highlight in the history of the little country town of Myram occurred during my ministry at Ararat. It came with the switching on of the electricity. Beverly and I had been invited by Mr. Harold Wheaton to call in at his store when we were in the district. The general store was something incredible. They certainly had every conceivable kind of item required for home or family on the shelves all round. There were packets of toys unopened, brought for children 20 and 30 years ago, which still sat there on the shelves covered in dust with their original prices on them, one shilling, one and sixpence and the like. I looked at brand new Hornby train sets, still in their original boxes, 30 years old, and how many times since I'd wished I'd lashed out and paid 10 shillings and purchased them. They'd be worth a fortune today. Mr and Mrs Wheaton did not believe in marking up the prices of any goods. If they bought it at that price, then that was the price they sold it for, no matter how long it was in the store for. There were plenty of bargains to be held at Myram. The night of the electricity switch-on was probably the greatest night in Myram's history. It was held on the 13th of January, 1964. The Myram Town Hall, as I said, the only public building in the community, was filled to capacity. There was only one dim light flickering as it ran from the generator at the back of the Myram General Store. The inside of the hall was decorated with branches of gum trees, freshly cut, and streamers of coloured paper, and hundreds of coloured lights which of course were extinguished. For 80 years the people in the area had used lamps and candles for their illumination and only in latter years had purchased some home generators. At the end of the hall, which I can picture in my mind so clearly today, was a huge picture of our young queen placed high above the stage and underneath the crossed flags of Britain and Australia. Bunting decorated the stage. The buildings were packed long before the function began and the flickering dull lamp was as bright as any illumination ever obtained for the town hall, apart from when they lit the kerosene lamps. Mr Harold Wheaton, naturally, presided over the ceremony, welcoming official guests and visitors and citizens. The Shire President, Mr C.J. Grant, congratulated the residents of Myram and the surrounding district on what he called this, a red-letter day in your lives. With Myram leading the way, the march of electricity will soon go on to Caniva and to Serviston and to the South Australian border. Electricity in the country is bringing to the people of our community an equal amenity with those who live in the city. His enthusiastic proclamation brought rounds of applause. He was certainly fired up for the night. He hoped, as he said, there would be a minimum of blackouts but it was quite sure that the Myram Electricity Committee had done their work well and would ensure that the power went on with minimum hindrance. Then came the Minister for Power in the Balti government, the Honourable W.J. Meebus. He declared, I am pleased to be present to join with you Myram folk on such a happy and important occasion. There's a tendency these days on the part of the community to take many things for granted, but this is not so at Myram. You Myram people show you're prepared to help yourselves. The electricity age in Australia is only a hundred years old and yet you've made great strides in having it extended to this community. Victoria is second to no other state in Australia in developing the power industry. Although it's hard to imagine, by 1970, I hope that except for a few isolated farms, Victoria will be a fully electric state. Mr Meebus was carried away with the prospect of that great development. He then went on to declare, quite surprisingly, 
and I hope that in the not-too-distant future, Myram will have the benefit of a reticulated water supply. Well, that brought some cheers. So he went on and said, I will be sending a boring plant to the town, and within the next few weeks, I hope that a water supply scheme could be completed and in use before the start of next summer. Well, this was unexpected. The whole evening was working up to a great climax. Mr. Harold Wheaton invited his old father, Mr. C.M. Wheaton, up onto the platform. There was hushed expectancy over all present when this old and venerable resident reached out with a pair of scissors to cut a ribbon that stretched between two miniature electricity pylons. As he cut the ribbon, the audience burst into applause and the hall burst into light from all the multicoloured globes. I guess that proved that many hands make light work. It was a momentous and a dramatic occasion as the citizens of Myram cheered and clapped constantly and then Mr Wheaton was suitably presented with an inscribed silver water jug. Ah, well, Myram is still much the same as it ever was. A few people have died. Some have left the town and these days there are fewer people than ever in its history. The school no longer meets. The children are bussed into Caniva. The wheat silo still fills up to the brim with wheat every summer, and the trains still thunder through at 150 kilometres an hour. My mind, however, goes back to that grand night when the electricity was switched on. It had taken a lot of work to get the poles and the wires strung out to provide electricity to the 14 houses and the three farms in the district. Mind you, they hoped to extend it because there was another 23 farms further on that could still be connected. Some 460 trees had to be cut down to get the transmission lines through. But now Myram had all the benefits of a big city. One minor point I should mention. Harold Wheaton was never averse to raising a bit of money for some good community purpose. And so everybody that came from the community that night, and indeed those people who travelled up to 100 miles away to be present for the switch-on, didn't get in on such a momentous occasion without paying for it. A small charge was made at the entry to the Myram Town Hall for the switch-on ceremony and the amount of money taken at the door reached £20, which was donated to the Myram Welfare Group, run, of course, by Mr Wheaton, which cared for people in need in the community. And as these needs were never numerous, the money eventually went to support some further equipment for the local school. Well, if you stand on top of the wheat silo and aim your camera in an easterly direction, you can photograph every house in Myram the Myram Town Hall, the Myram Union Sunday School Hall, the old Myram School Hall, now disused, and presiding over it all, the Myram General Store. Myram's part of the history of Australia which is rapidly disappearing, a small integrated community of faithful people who uphold the traditions of God, the empire, and the values that made Australia great, thrift, hard work, and a commitment to the good land. Well, I guess I shouldn't stop without presenting Myram's own song. It was played and sung by Mr Harold Wheaton on that occasion. It goes to the tune of Walsing Matilda, but I'll just read it. Once upon a time in a town in Western Victoria started to open up all the land to be seen. Then came the farmers to see what they could do with sweat and Myram made an impression on the scene. Well done, Myram, well done, Myram, well done, Myram, the best in the West. And we'll sing as we watch, as we see our Myram grow. Well done, Myram, the best 
in the West. And so we drove back to the country manse at 90 High Street, Ararat, opposite the railway station, having learnt another lesson in the difficult art of becoming a country parson. Thank you.